summer. Well, we're glad you're here. It's good to worship the Lord and get in His presence. Wonderful unity. We're going to start a new series today called, I'm Reminding You. I'm Reminding You. I have four children. I actually forget about at least one of them, <laughs> at least once a week. And my wife often says, do you remember, where, do you know where all the kids are? Or do you remember you have the baby? I'm, oh, yeah, yes. Thank you for that reminder. Those are good reminders, right? Loving reminders are good reminders. There are a lot of loving reminders to, in the New Testament that Jesus gives, that Paul gives to help us know to think straight, right? It's a busy world. It's a chaotic world. There's things that distract us. So let's turn in our Bibles in 2 Timothy and look at this. So we're going to start a new series. I'm reminding you. You cannot nudge your spouse or friend next to them, roll your eyes and say, you really need this. When we hear the word of God, we first take it for who? Us. That's right. We first take it for us and let the Lord do a wonderful work in us. And then it'll just produce fruit. And others will be like, wow, God did something in your life. Then you can tell them. (laughs) The last letter of Paul at the end of his life to his spiritual son, Timothy. I'm going to read 2 Timothy 2, just a few words in verse 14. And then we're going to go back up and find out what Paul is talking about. 2 Timothy 2.14, remind them of these things. Remind them. This is a common statement in the New Testament. Remember or remind them. And it doesn't say remind you. What does it say? Them. Remind a group of people. Who is Paul writing to? A pastor. And he's telling that pastor, I want you to in love in passion, in truth, remind that congregation you love that God put you over of these things. So what things? Well, just back up to verse 1 and let's read them. We're going to read 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 7. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You, therefore, must endure, your Bible may say, share in. Endure hardships as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please or so that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Verse 6. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord... There's another one of those reminders. Think about it. Consider what I say, and may the Lord, or literally the Lord will, give you understanding in all things. Well, I feel better already because I need understanding and about a lot of things. And he said he would remind me and give me, and this is, for, this, is not, this is for Christians, this is for you, remind you of all things. I like that. You've got some notes there. Let's look at this and learn some new things from the wonderful Word of God. So encouraged as I looked at this this week. So how does he start this off? You, therefore, my son. I like that. He loves him. He's committed to him. He knows this person. He's close to him. It's a real, true relationship. 
It's, some, it's a lifelong relationship. He's committed his, his life to this young man, his spiritual son, Timothy. Paul had at least 18 spiritual sons in the New Testament. He was an apostle. He was uh, over all the fivefold ministry. My son, be strong in what? In the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I was thinking about this. Of all the things Paul could have told him to be strong in. Be strong in faith, that is in the Bible. Be, be strong in this, be strong in the word, be strong. He said, I want you to think about something, Timothy. I want you to specialize and spend so much of your mental power and of your mental thought life thinking about this. Number one on your notes. Spend most of your time thinking about God's grace. Spend most of your time, Timothy, thinking about God's grace. Now, how do we get strong in something? All right. You got a guy who's got 4% body fat and he can bench press 300 pounds. He's spending a lot of time somewhere, right? He's in the gym all the time. Nothing wrong with that. As long as it's not number one in your life, Jesus is number one in all things. He doesn't share number two and he only speaks the language of number one. Be strong. I want you to exercise yourself in this grace. If you're going to be a prayer, understand the grace of God and better pray it. You're going to be some kind of theologian. You love to study and you love to read. Do that. If you're going to be someone who loves to encourage others and loves to be hospitable, be strong in the grace of God. Whatever God has given you, gifted you with, whatever he's put a passion in your heart for, I want you to be strong in the grace of that. So you can impart grace to all your hearers, right? Spend most of your time thinking, praying, evangelizing. If you do leadership, if you do hospitality, if you do worship, if you do kids crafts, whatever you do, if you teach, whatever it is, be strong in undeserved favor. That's one of the definitions of grace, undeserved favor. Let's do a little exercise on the grace of God. All right. So I want you to say, I am saved. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you can say that with absolute truth and confidence. And I want you to look at the person on the right or on the left and say, I'm saved. Now I want you to close your eyes, close them, close them, and whisper to the Lord, I am saved. Oh. You are being, you're, you feel it? Oh, I feel better already. I'm strong in the grace, the saving grace of Jesus Christ. You got a bad day, you just close your eyes and say, I'm going to get strong in the grace of God. Oh, the wonderful cross, the saving power of Jesus Christ. Oh, the blood of the lamb. I'm saved. And everything kind of starts to get smaller in your life and you start to get stronger. Oh, if Christ is your savior, spend most of your time thinking about his amazing marvelous grace. Then there's a shift in this text. Paul's going to give three illustrations that are common pitfalls, common difficulties of getting out of that grace. And he's going to use a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. Now, probably all of you know one or all three of these. A soldier, an athlete, or a farmer. This is common in our culture today. God knew in his divine wisdom that these would be common throughout history, and they still are. 
So let's look at this. In verse 4, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. With the affairs of this life that would pull him out of the grace of God. I'm going to give you three D words for the next three points. Number two on your notes. This tells me, don't get distracted by this sinful world. Don't get distracted by this world. Paul said these are common. Everyone's going to face these. Everyone's going to deal with these things in life. Don't get distracted by this world. And in fact, if you look just a couple pages over or swipe your app and slide it over to 2 Timothy 2.9, he actually gives a name and an example of this. 2 Timothy, excuse me, I said in chapter 4, verse 9. Be diligent to come to me quickly. For Demas, first thing we learn here, apparently no one name your child Demas. Don't name your kid Demas. For Demas has forsaken me, having what? Loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica. Now, Demas didn't start out in love. He started out in distraction. Demas left the the field of God, left the ministry where God had him because he fell in love and got distracted with the things of this world. And this this illustration is of a soldier. I often think of our own armed forces. We thank God for them, everything they do. I think that through history and um, especially like when I think about the news, usually when a soldier misrepresents the United States, whatever uh, branch he's in, a bunch of young guys have had a furlough or got out, had a few days off, and they made some bad decisions. You know, they're young, 19 years old. They got distracted from their duty and post, and then unfortunately, America kind of may have a black eye. Now, that's rare, thank God, but y'all probably read those. Those are familiar. That's what happened. They got distracted from who they were, and they went off and made some bad decisions. And it's the same thing with Demas here. Demas got distracted by the things of this world. There's always common distractions in our life, right? We have them. Money can be a distraction if that's our God. Hobbies. Hobbies can be a big distraction. That's something I have to make sure I stay on all the time. I'm a sports guy. I like sci-fi, and I like to fish. I'm in trouble. I have to be disciplined in everything I do. I have to make sure that there are no hobbies that are going to remove me from what God's called me to do. Not as a pastor, as a Christian, as a Christ follower, as a husband, as a father. I need to know that a pigskin is never going to get me out of the game, right? It's a horrible thing for anyone to say, Pastor, I'll see you in a few months. I'm sorry, football season started. We don't do that. That's not what God's called us to do. In Acadiana, hunting season. I'll see you in three months. That's distracted. We don't do that. Um, Another major one, especially in this world, life events. Life events start piling up, and it's like one emergency after another, and all of a sudden, When's the last, you know, we haven't been able to pray, we haven't been able to read, we've been disconnected from Christians. 
So life events can be something that gets us distracted. But the marvelous grace of God pulls us back, and we hear the word of God like we are today and correct our course. You know the number one way not to get distracted? It's real simple. Two words. Stay devoted. You know how to not get distracted in your marriage? Stay devoted. You know how not to get distracted in your job? Keep working. How is it? Stay devoted, right? You want a healthy relationship with your Savior and your Lord with Jesus? Get up. Do whatever you need to do to get up early or your afternoon or evening. Stay devoted. Have a devotional. Read your word. Pray. I'm a Bible reader. I can't go a few days without reading my Bible and praying. I've got to find time, either morning or whenever it is, outside of my job as a pastor. Staying devoted is the easiest way to get away from the distractions. Well, let's keep looking here. Verse 5. So we got the soldier. Now he switches to an athlete. Verse 5. And also, if anyone competes in athletics... It was a major, remember, this is Rome, right? This is Roman culture. The Colosseum, gladiators. It was a sports-dominated culture. Familiar? Yes? Yeah, how many sports channels do we have? Again, I'm a sports guy. I like sports. Don't get me wrong. How many sports channels do we have on TV? A lot. There's some playing right now, (laughs) and it's summer. Also, and also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes According to the rules. Number three on your notes. Don't get disqualified by sin. Don't get disqualified by sin. I'll give you a biblical example. There's lots of them, but 1 Samuel 15 the first king of Israel, Saul. He disqualified himself because of sin. The prophet Samuel said, you destroy all of Agag, you destroy the kings, you destroy all everything. The first one's an offering to me. You destroy the sheep, everything. Nothing will live. Samuel, the Lord tells Samuel, go. You got some business to do with Saul. He gets there and Saul meets him. Trying to hide behind and meet some so maybe he doesn't hear or see. He says, I've done everything you told me to do. Samuel says, what's the bleeding of the sheep I hear? And who's that king over there who was supposed to be dead, right? He disqualified himself by sin. How, how do we not disqualify ourselves? Here, here's some good things that we need to do. Stay sheltered. I know that sounds funny. Stay sheltered. I am only here in in this position because I stay undercover in my authority and leadership. I've got three overseers, people who pastor me, who I'm submitted to. Praise God. One of them lives in this town. Thank you, Lord. Stay sheltered. Number two, I'll tell you a big one. This is so big in our culture. Stay transparent. Stay transparent. You want to not be disqualified. Don't cocoon. The number one sinful nature, the number one thing that old sinful man wants to do is pull an atom. <laughs> he's going to go find a place to hide. He's going to try to find something to cover himself, right? Don't cocoon. And then set boundaries. Stay in boundaries. Specifically, I'm talking about the boundaries of God's word. 
Stay in the boundaries of God's word. So we know that sin disqualifies us, but I'm going to tell you one of the number one Christians, one of the number one things that disqualify us. It's our small thinking and, some, and a lack of faith, right? We, oh, I can't do that. Oh, I'm too young. Oh, I'm too old. Let me, let's, do a, let's do a little test, all right? Let's do a little test. Shake it off. Let's relax, everybody. It's, it's summer. Come on, it's summer on a Sunday morning. This is my question. It, it'll be a litmus test for you. If God answered every one of your prayers right now, poof, every one of the prayers you've been praying the last weeks and months, would it change you and your family? Would it change your situation, you and your family, or would it change the world? Whoa, it got quiet. Okay, breathe, breathe, breathe. I'm going I'm to tell you, I've been challenged by this with pastors too. I've been, I was at a three-day conference at Bethany, and it just, they challenged me so much. It was the Lord. We're going to watch some videos later of it and stuff. But listen to me now. If your prayer life is you and your family, your prayers are too small. We've got to start asking God for God things because he's God. Amen? And we've got to say, God, light these idol sticks in my life that I may burn for you. doesn't matter how old, how young, how rich, how poor. That's, all of that was destroyed at the cross. Every barrier was destroyed at the cross for you to better do everything God's called you to do. Can you imagine getting to heaven and say, God, I didn't have this and I didn't have that, but I had you and I did everything you told me to do to the best of my ability. Come on now. We have got to stop disqualifying ourselves. Amen? It's one of the biggest things. Now, I will show you a couple of short videos here. And I'm going to, let me set this up for you. This was this week. So I was at the Bethany Conference. Bethany WordPress Center is probably the largest church in Louisiana. They're in Baton Rouge. Larry Stockstill was the pastor for many years. His son's taken over there. My pastor, Pastor Mike Ware, was launched from that church in the 80s. So you have to follow the line. I have a lot of DNA of the church I work for, my pastor, where that came from Bethany. So there's a lot of kind of similar DNA in, in all this mix. So we're at their conference and last year, the first time I had went there, there was a pastor on staff, and he is their uh, connections pastor. He speaks publicly. In fact, he has to do so much of the new people, right? He meets all the new people. This church is 10,000 people. Imagine how many new people they have coming in every week, trying to connect them, getting them involved, getting them saved, getting them baptized, getting them discipled. You're going to watch a short video of him speaking. Listen carefully and watch this. I stutter, and so I just have to let everybody know, know that, or else it'll take you five minutes to figure out what I'm doing. Am I joking, or is this guy serious? And so I stutter. But let's let's just jump right right into it. Uh, so we're going to cover uh, real briefly our process of how we do follow up and next steps. Some of this might be new to you. Some of it might. Might not be. And then Pastor Gerardo is going to come up and talk uh, about how we do B groups. I saw that. And I thought, what have I ever said or I've ever done in my, oh, I didn't speak well or I didn't do this or I didn't that. I saw that and I was reminded, Stephen, that guy has a serious stutter. 
But he said, Lord, you're greater. You're greater, Lord. Now, if you continue to watch this, I didn't video it that long. He does fine for a few sentences and he'll get stuck on a word and it'll just sit there. And it takes him like he has to stop and compose himself and redo it again. He speaks publicly, a full-time pastor with a major stutter. He said, nope, nothing is going to disqualify me for what God has called me to do. Come on. Amen. It doesn't matter your abilities or whatever it is. Sorry, that was the second day of the conference. I want to show you the very last night. One more little quick video. not showing you the picture of the band. You saw the camera slightly shift and zoom in. They're young. They're energetic. There's thousands of people there. Of course, they're going to jump up and down on stage and worship Jesus. Good. They need to. Great. That's not what I was showing you. That's not what caught my eye. What caught my eye was that man and that lady in the front row. I promise you, the oldest person in this room is not as old as they were. I went and looked at their face and saw them. In fact, the lady... She had those, what is that thing, a little, little crease right there. Whoa. Let me tell you, even for a short time, the best his 80 or plus year knee, old knees could do it, he danced. No excuses, no disqualifi- disqualification. Front row, that place was so loud, my ears hurt. Oh, my goodness, I, my heart was beating out of my chest. Front row. They hadn't been doing that once, one or two days. They've been worshiping the Lord like that for years and years and years. We must get to the place. No matter how young or how old, you're never disqualified. And you need to tell yourself, because that's what God says, let us not find ourselves speaking contrary to God. Don't speak contrary. If he said you're free, you're free. If he said you're saved and sanctified and redeemed and Christ is your Savior, do not find yourself speaking contrary to him. All right. Now, I saw that. I was like, I love these people. Who are they? Let them hug me. He's got, I love that. What is that? He made that up? I love it. Don't get disqualified by anything in your life. Any past sin, any weakness you think you have. We all have weaknesses. We all have things that we don't like about ourselves. But we have a Savior. His name is Jesus. He ever lives to make intercession for us. He didn't sleep nor slumber. His arm is not weak. There's nothing in creation he cannot move and change and do. Amen? Come on now. 
Get encouraged. Let that, let it just breathe life into you. Let the word of God breathe life into you. All right. One more here. Verse six. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. The hardworking farmer. I am not a farmer. Now, I didn't know one as a child. My grandfather was. In fact, his name is George. It means farmer. That's not super common in our culture. Well, here, I mean, we see, you know, sugarcane seeds and all those things. But I may think about this. The hardworking farmer. There's nothing fast or quick about being a farmer. It's early mornings. It's continuous, constant labor, waiting on rain. So outside of your ability, you got to wait on the Lord. He has to do, right? You do everything you can do in the natural. Moms, listen to me now. You're farmers. You are raising a godly crop. God has entrusted you. You are praying and working for that hardworking soil. Whoever is in your sphere of influence, you're a farmer. That's what we need to know, number four in our notes. Don't get discouraged by delayed progress. The hardworking farmer, tilling, tilling the ground, watering, cultivating, working for weeks and months before the first thing springs up. But what does he know? If I put that seed in, if I do what I'm supposed to do, rain, and that thing's going to germinate, right? Don't get discouraged by delayed progress. It's just something God has been working in me and working in me and working in me. I've been successful in ministry, had things grow quickly, and they were easier. I got here, and we started this church. Some people came and go, gone. I thought, oh, it would be easy. It would be 200 people like that. You get discouraged. And the Lord reminded me this week, Stephen, you're the hardworking farmer. You do what I tell you to do, and I bring the increase. Is that biblical? The Lord brings the increase. We're going to work hard. We're going to be committed. Not just me, us. Don't disqualify ourselves. We're the ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Don't get discouraged by delayed progress. Beautiful quote I love. Patience is continued peace in the absence of immediate results. How do we overcome discouragement? Number one, we need to stay nourished. It's the same back to that cocooning. Stay in good soil, good relationships, godly ones. Stay nourished. Number two, celebrate the wins. There's lots of failures in life. Everyone's familiar with lack and failure. Celebrate the wins. If your child folds their hands and prays at dinner instead of gets distracted and feeds the dog their vegetables, thank God for it. Celebrate the wins. Whatever it is in your life, thank, celebrate the wins. And number three, practice gratefulness. So we're going to stay nourished, celebrate the wins, and practice gratefulness. 
gratefulness in our life will keep discouragement away. All right, so let me tell you kind of some more stories and what happened to me this week. So at the beginning of the year, as we did two years ago, I'm a you know, missions guy. It doesn't matter how big your church is. You need to be thinking about the world, thinking about the lost, thinking about the lost next door, thinking about Christians uh, near us and Christians around the world. And I'm a, I, I love the local church, so I wanted to build a, a church. Uh, we did two years ago in, in the most southern state of Mexico, Chiapas. We went and uh, paid for it, sent a team and built it. So the beginning of this year, I said, okay, we're going to do this again. Y'all know, if y'all were here, you probably heard me say, sign up for the mystery, but let's do this, let's do this, until you were tired of hearing it. <laughs> it's a, we, we didn't make the numbers. We, we had five sign up. You need at least eight to get the work done and do everything. So although I pushed it and promoted it, I, again, this is not anyone's fault. I'm just telling you the situation. Um, you know, a booth outside and all that, it didn't happen this year. Well, I don't like to do things and then not work. Anybody else in the boat with me? I don't like to work hard and then it not happen. It's a little discouraging. So I'm sitting at the conference on Wednesday night. Now let me give you a little backstory. There's two conferences going on at the same time. There's the Bethany Conference and there's another conference called Surge. And it is Larry Stockstill's been doing it for 18 years. They are planting, I'm sorry, they have already planted from the year 2000, 20,000 local churches around the world. God's primary work on this earth is the local church at every corner, on every mountain, in every jungle, in every high rise. It's the local church. In the underground in, in, in um, China, in the, the, the bush of Australia, and, and in the deserts of Africa. It's the local church. So I'm going to show you a short video so you kind of understand this, and then we'll finish our story. Surge is a global church planning initiative with a strategy of dividing the world into 12 zones and empowering qualified native church planners to be sent out into their own nation to spread the gospel. A local pastor already speaks the language, is operating in a familiar culture, and has established relationships within the community. We believe that planning churches through local pastors is the most effective way to spread the gospel. The world around us seems to be in constant conflict as we're immersed with media from every direction, and the need surrounding us becomes overwhelming. We ask ourselves the question, how can I make a difference, and what is the solution? Surge provides an opportunity for you to connect with what God is doing globally and to be the solution. We've had a massive impact because of the support we've received from families, churches, and businesses. God's hand is clearly on this strategic model, and we're excited to invite you to become part of this church planning movement that's sweeping the world. All right, now you understand a little bit. We've got 12 regions. The search conference is going at the same time. They had all these 12 global leaders there, different colors, languages, telling about all the great things God was going to do. So they, they said, hey, let's pray. We've got to pray for the world. We're sending these guys out. Some of them were under false names, especially in China and stuff, all the things going on there. So they, say, they said, look, we have 172 churches, pastors waiting, trained, 40-member churches, and we, we need the funds, 172. They're $3,000 a church to, to, to build, to build the, uh, a facility and to pay the pastor's salary. $3,000 goes a long way in other countries, right? So I say, we're not going to tell you to give anything. You just bow your head. If the Lord tells you to do something, you do whatever. That's, I know these men. They're men of integrity. That's the way it works. So I bow my head, and I'm sitting there, and the Lord reminds me about the beginning of the year and how we didn't get to go on the mission trip. 
and how I didn't get to plant the church and it was in my heart. Lord, you've called us to, to do and to reach at all times in this ministry. Lord, I, it's frustrating. The Lord reminded me, didn't you want to um, plant a church this year? I said, yeah, I did. And I didn't get to. And I worked hard. And it didn't happen. Can I have that mic right there? Thank you. Josiah, how you doing, man? You going to help me out a little bit? Just, you don't have to, all you got to do is read a date. You see that right there? What date is that right there? The 23rd. Of what? June. June. The 23rd. So that was yesterday, right? Yeah. So, so the 23rd through the what? 30th. The 30th. This was the date of the mission trip. Y'all are ahead of me. I can't even do good stories. You're too fast. I try to build it up, and you're like, I'm already there. And the Lord said, Stephen, I'll make a way where there is no way. You had in your heart, you don't have the funds personally, but I put you over a church. You can plant right now. I got on my phone. I did $3,030 in case there was a processing fee. There's always a processing fee, right? I want to make sure every part of that church was built. And I didn't build it, not me alone. Now, you just had a regular week this week. Maybe it was a great week. Maybe it was a bad week. Put that picture up, one of them. Got some stills. This is Cuba. Cuba has just become open to the gospel. Fidel Castro died, right? They're not friendly to the gospel. They're becoming open. It's still hostile. They hadn't had churches built there in a half a century. And God is opening the door. That's where I want it. God, would you, put a, would you cause us, this man right here is the, is the global leader. He's got 11 kids. Most of them adopted right there standing up. These are all the leaders on the bottom. There's Larry Stocksville, some all over the world. These men are different countries. That is a church in Cuba. See one more picture. This is a mission team that's in Cuba. This is new missionaries, right? Going in, you can't get a visa to Cuba. It's opening up. Let me show you one more thing. <laughs> that bus was built in 1947. 19, that is a 71-year-old bus, right? Because they were, um, the country was blockaded. You couldn't get import-export. So everything they have is super old. So God, in his amazing glory and grace, a 71-year-old bus, money going into the country, not to be used for evil, not to build more weapons, but to plant churches. I'm going to tell you, don't get discouraged because this week you may not have known it, but you planted a church. You need to understand what you're doing for the kingdom. You need to understand that when you come and say, God, I give you everything. Here it is. Don't get discouraged about where you are in life because you may have had a bad week, but I'm going to tell you, you helped me plant a church. Come on. You better praise him. Let's stand up. We need to spend a few minutes with Jesus. You need to spend a few minutes with Jesus. Let him speak to you. Let him remind you of some things. I'm reminding you of some things. There is a grace of God for you, son, daughter, not employee, 
not church member, son and daughter of the Most High. I'm reminding you, good soldier, athlete, farmer, don't get distracted by this world. Do not get disqualified by sin. If you have, right now repent. Forgiveness will come. Repent with all your heart. And do not get discouraged by delayed progress. He is faithful in all things. Even when you are faithless, if you keep reading this verse in Second Timothy, this chapter in 2 Timothy, even when you are faithless, he is faithful. He cannot deny himself. It's right there, just a few verses down. Do not get discouraged by delayed progress. He's too great. He's too glorious. He's a wonderful, wonderful Savior. Lord, we need you today. We don't have to beg. We just ask in faith absolute assurance that you're going to come and touch our hearts. Lord, we thank you for your word, for these pictures, for this conference, but Lord, we actually need more than that. We need you, Holy Spirit, to touch our hearts and our minds because that brings lasting change. A sermon is not enough. We need the Holy Spirit. So you right now spend time with him. You right now talk to him. Some of you have been distracted. You need to jump in to this church and this body of Christ. You need to put your whole heart into it. Many of you have been discouraged. Life is difficult. I have been there. (laughs) I felt there this week. I was feeling there this week, feeling like that. But the Lord had an appointment for me in Baton Rouge. He said, I want to remind you of some things, my son. And the Lord right now, let him remind you of some things. Let you spend just a couple minutes with the Lord. worship the Lord just for a couple minutes. I ended early. We need to spend some time with Jesus. If you need prayer, I got prayer lots of times this week. I lost count how many times. If you need prayer for anything, wherever you are in your life, we're going to be up here as we worship the Lord.
first one is, and the most important, do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior? Is He your God? Is He your King? Have you thrown yourself upon Him? Taken on His righteousness, His blood? Have you given Him your life? If there's anyone in here and they don't know Jesus as Lord and you want to be saved, you want to be free, you can be free today through Jesus. Is there anyone like that? I want you to raise your hand. My second question is just with heads bowed and eyes closed. And again, I'm not going to make you come forward. If you're in here and you have been battling with discouragement because of your place in life, because of the circumstances of life and what's been going on, just want you to raise your hand. See that hand. See that hand. See that hand. 
That's faith. Now let's all lift our hands and we're going to ask the Lord to just set us free of all of that right now. Lord, I thank you that you're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that you're the God of David, that you're Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, that you came to destroy the works of the enemy. You came to destroy discouragement, the difficulties of this world. So I thank you for these precious, precious people, these Christ followers who are in the battle, who are working to live a godly, righteous life in a sinful world, who are striving in their marriages and jobs in all these areas. I pray you are eliminating discouragement in the name of Jesus. I pray the Spirit of God is coming in. I pray you're reminding them like you did this week to me. Be faithful. I'm doing more than you can ever imagine. I'm working the unseen and you will see the harvest of righteousness that I promised you. Lord, I thank you that you're destroying the work of the enemy. Now fill them with the Holy Spirit. Fill them with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control right now, Lord. Fill them right now. Fill them right now. And we ask all of this in the precious name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen and amen.